there is a way for them to take that passion, that thing that they're really good at and that they enjoy doing, more importantly, they enjoy doing it and share it with others in a way that will make someone else's life better or easier or help someone with a problem. Raising Confident Teens podcast, where we talk about life and leadership with teens and their parents. I'm Rachel, and on today's podcast, I am so glad to have a chance to chat with Natalie Silverstein. Natalie is an author, speaker, and passionate advocate for family and youth service. Her first book, Simple Acts, The Busy Family's Guide to Giving Back, was published in 2019. And her second book, Simple Acts, The Busy Teen's Guide to Making a Difference, is set to be published in July of 2022. We are several months ahead in our podcast recording, so by the time this releases, the book should be available also. So make sure you check it out. It's full of great tips and suggestions for teens on how they can use their passion and purpose to make a difference in the world. Welcome to the podcast, Natalie. Thank you so much, Rachel. I'm so pleased to be here. So I've heard a little bit about your story and you didn't start your career out thinking, I want to help families learn the importance of service to others. No. So tell (laughs) us a little bit about how all this came about. No, it's probably pretty much the furthest thing from that. Um, So I have a degree in health policy and a master's in public health. And um, I was working in healthcare consulting and hospitals and managed care companies and that sort of thing for, you know, 15 or 20 years. And then I started having children and had a family and decided to stay home to raise them and to focus on my family and to focus on their education and and volunteering in our community. And um, really, this whole thing came out of my lived experience of being a parent. I'm sure many people can relate to this experience of really wanting to do service and acts of kindness and volunteering in your community and being told that you can't because your children are too young. Or, you know, we don't take anyone under age 16, for example. That's a very common response that many nonprofits will give. And I simply refuse to accept that. Um, We live in New York City. (laughs) Eight million people live here. And there is lots of wealth and there is lots of need. And there are lots of organizations here that help people on pretty much every level. And I couldn't accept that no one would accept us, um, would welcome us as volunteers. And so I just started knocking on doors and um, networking and finding organizations that would accept us as volunteers. And I started to kind of compile a list of those. And I became a little bit of like the service lady in my community, you know, the gal that everyone would call and say, hey, I have lots of stuff to donate or hey, you know, my kid's having a birthday party and we'd like to donate some gifts or or whatever it was. I, I became that resource for everyone. And that was a pleasure for me. And actually, it became sort of my passion and my vocation. So I realized very quickly that I had 
a lot of resources, a lot of information, and a lot of passion around this because I, I truly believe, and I'm sure you'll agree, that you know one of the best ways to teach kids empathy, um, to help them exercise their empathy muscles, if you will, um, to teach them to be grateful and grounded and to have the right values is to encourage them to look outside of themselves and to serve others and to help others. That's just kind of a basic foundational value for our family. So this is the work that I love to do. I thought there's a book here. People really want this information. They just simply don't know where to find it. And if I'm being honest, they're not going to take the time to look for it. So I put everything together in this book for young families, and it was a hit. And pretty much immediately after I published the first book in 2019, I had people coming up to me and saying, gee, this is really great, but can you write something for teenagers? <laughs> and I said, I would love to because my kids were getting older and I had teenagers. Um, but I just published this first one. Can I just enjoy that for a minute? But it's it's truly, I, I understood immediately what everyone sort of was feeling because I was feeling it too. You know, this is wonderful stuff to do with young kids. And as your kids get older, it's so important. But in the teen years, it's almost even more important to really tap into their passions, their, the issues that they care about deeply, that they want to learn more about, and how to help them channel their gifts and their talents and their energies around making a difference in the world. Yeah, that's good. I think that though the younger you can get them started on this, like you found, I'm sure. For sure. The easier it is to teach it. There's right? no question. And and people always say to me, Well what's you know, when should you start? Like what age is is four and a half too young? Is six and a half and I'm always like, Okay, can we just start from the baseline of this is the way our family operates in the world. This is what we value. This is how we're going to serve others. And we're just going to make this a part of our family life from the very beginning. Right. And so the the first book, which I'm not really here to talk about, but the first book really started almost pre-birth. I, I talk about celebrating the birth of a child or a first birthday with um, service and giving and kindness and all of and generosity and as you and I both know a first birthday party is not for the child because the child's probably sleeping right. the first birthday party is for you and your partner to celebrate the fact that you survived the first year of parenting but the truth is that it's setting a tone for your family um, I remember once I spoke to a group of young mothers and a woman raised her hand and said how old is too young or you know how, how old should kids be when you start doing this work and another gal raised her hand and said, you know, it's funny, I remember doing this work as a kid, we would go to the soup kitchen on Thanksgiving, and we would do this, and we would do that. But I don't really remember ever starting this work. It just was always a part of what we did as a family. And I said, there it is. You just answered the question. It wasn't a thing that your family talked about, or said, we're gonna do this. It's just something that you did. And so I, I do believe, obviously, the younger a child is who is exposed to this important work, the more it is ingrained in how they are brought up into the world and, and the foundation of their character. However, that being said, there is never a bad time to start. It's never too early and it's never too late. And so I have people say, oh, gosh, my kid is 13 or 15 and, and we've never done that work and I feel terrible now. It's too late. It's never too late. Yeah. Never too late. Yeah. Yeah, the, the point is just start where you're at. And exactly. from there. Yeah, I was hundred percent. I was looking at your book today and you know, we we our kids do a lot of volunteer stuff on their own, but reading it I'm like, Oh yeah, we we 
that is kind of a culture of our family and I never really realized it because like you said I was like that person where my parents like my dad would bring people home for for lunch mm-hmm. and we never right. knew who he was going to bring home he'd be like oh right. this elderly man well I saw him at church and right. you know I'm just going to bring he him needs home a sandwich right we're going <laughs> to give him a bath and you know get him wash his clothes and like he's going right. to sleep on the couch for, for the afternoon okay right. Right. yeah and that was like a normal thing at our house and so it just became the culture of how we were raised and the culture of how we raised our kids. And I just, exactly. I never thought, you know, some people don't do this. <laughs> right. Right. But, and that's, and what that is, I call, I, I talk about this all the time is living our values, right? just living them, just literally living them in the day to day, in the way that you interact with other people, the way you hold the door for the person behind you, the way you say, thank you, the way you greet, the way you look at someone in the eye, you do all of this and your parents did it and so this is why you do it and then this is why your children do it right it's generational and it is role modeling the the right (laughs) the kind of behavior that we want for our future generations and so yes i i don't know that it's always the culture of a family to open doors in such a generous and loving and and unafraid you know a lot of people live with so much fear of the other Right. right, right. And, there, and um, your dad in saying, oh, I saw this guy at church and he needs a place to crash tonight. Like, and your mom or, you know, everyone else in the house being like, okay, here you go. Here's a pillow and a blanket. Like that openness and that, you know, just love of, of other people that I think kids see that. You don't need to sit down and lecture them about this. They see how you behave and, right. and how you treat others. And, and then that's how they, and that's how they will treat others as well. I think, uh, you know, especially for teens, because a lot of schools require uh, volunteer hours or um, in order to get scholarships, you know, you need volunteer hours. You bet. And and I agree with that to a degree because my kids do that. And but I also feel like parents think that this is such a narrow way of seeing it. Like I have to go to an organization and check off these boxes when when. You know, if you're just like baking cookies for the people at the fire station, that is right. That is serving others or you're, you know, the neighbor needs something, you know, she's elderly, she can't mow yard. That's right. You know, your kid can go over there and mow yard. You know, that that is serving just as much. I feel like that's even more of a serving because you're doing it just for no, no, um, return like you're not right. doing it for goodness, volunteer hours. Uh, you know, right I, I love the expression out of the goodness of your heart right that is literally why you're doing it out of the goodness of your heart so there's a chapter in the book called um don't count the hours make the hours count right so i i hear you about this issue of um requiring hours i think it can be i i try to present that information by showing both sides of the coin the people who criticize those requirements and think that they're sort of arbitrary and and that they don't actually encourage um, teens to want to do this work on the other hand by having some sort of requirement being placed upon them if they're not getting that encouragement or role modeling in the home at least someone in the school environment is saying hey we're going to go out and volunteer at this organization or we're going to encourage you to do so. And maybe in doing that work, some sort of passion will be sparked for you, some sort of curiosity. Maybe you'll want to continue that work on your own. 100% 
I believe that this work has to be driven from the individual out of their own interests and out of their own desire to do good. What we are, what we should be doing as parents, as educators, as adults in this world is just helping kids to experience the world in a way that they open their eyes and their hearts and their minds to the needs of others. And then they think about what gifts and talents and strengths and skills they have that they might bring to bear to make an impact on the, on the problems of the world and to help other people. And to help them see that doing that is not only good for the other person, but it's actually so, so good for themselves. And yeah. the feeling that you get and the reward that you get and feeling less, less isolated, less depressed, more encouraged, more connected, more confident. Um, you know, there are so many wonderful benefits of serving other people. And so my hope for the book is that it really um, sparks that passion and that curiosity for kids and that it's not just this like how to um, check the boxes on all of your right. <laughs> on all of your requirements. Right. Let's talk a little bit about the benefits of volunteering. So it's not just sure. the fact that I'm going to be feeling good, that, you know, I'm going to be helping somebody, but the statistics do show that if kids volunteer, it does, you know, give them a lower incidences of trouble in school, stuff like that. Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the research is is very clear that um, young people who volunteer are less likely to engage in risky behaviors, whether those are sexual or drug-related, alcohol-related. They are more um, prone to do well in school, um, academically. Obviously, they you know they're they're going to be more engaged with their community. They're going to be more self self-confident. Um, they have really you know just a, a better sense of self um, because I, I think that makes a lot of sense, right? You, you you know who you are, you know what you're good at, and you are able to share those things with others. Um, we are coming out of a period of tremendous social isolation. Um, I think, um, you know, the, the rates of depression, we don't even need to go into the mental health crisis, which has been reported on quite a bit in the last few weeks in the media, um, which was already beginning prior to the pandemic, which of course has accelerated um, quite a bit over the, source, uh, over the course of the pandemic because people were so um, isolated from one another. And one of the best ways to get reconnected um, is to um, volunteer and to do service in the community. So academic achievement, less risky behavior. Um, people who volunteer at a young age are more likely to do so when they are older, when they're adults. Um, children who volunteer with their families are more likely to do so. Um, you know, a child who volunteers with his or her um, parents are, is more likely to do this work as an adult with their own families. Um, it's interesting that peer pressure is a really positive thing in this case. Um, if young people hang out with other young people who volunteer, they are more likely to volunteer. The number of hours goes up right. because they all tend to volunteer together. This is a very social thing and it can be. Um, and I think that that's something that should be encouraged. Um, so there are pretty much across the board on every measure. And we know that elderly who volunteer live longer and healthier and happier lives. Um, there's just, there's no question um, by every measure that the helper's high that you will hear about is a real thing. Um, so doing something good for another person and, and experiencing the joy of giving to someone else, whether or not they even acknowledge you, whether or not they even know that you did this for them, creates an endorphin rush, a chemical rush in your brain, which is similar 
to other, you know, highs that we, we know about. And this is a, you know, is a researched proven fact. So on, on every measure, <laughs> I don't know why we wouldn't want to give this gift to our children, yeah. period, full stop. I think, it's, and especially like making them realize, you know, gratefulness, like, oh, you know, right. maybe, maybe my life is not so bad, you know? Right, right, right. It's a, it's a, it's a sense of perspective that I think people who are living in their own worlds, who don't really look outside of themselves, um, they lack. And yeah. so it is an experience. It is also kind of a way that breaks down a lot of barriers, right? right? So when you go out in the community and you do this work, you are interacting with people who have very different experiences than yours. And I think that that's super important. Um, and so there are a couple of things I always say when I'm talking to teens and kids and parents and families is, you know, words are very important. And so we should not say things like, this person is homeless, this person is poor. Um, that's not fair and it's not true. This person is experiencing homelessness or is currently unhoused. Because let's remember that they w at one time had a home. Right? right? They may have a home right now that they don't feel safe living in. Um, or a person is not poor, they are experiencing a financial difficulty at this time. And of course, the hope is that we can help them move beyond that and move to another stage of life. Because that's a very othering sort of thing to call someone homeless. Um, and I just think it's, there's an inclusiveness here, there is an ability to see the world through other people's eyes that you're opening up to children. Um, when you when you give them the opportunity to volunteer in the community. Yeah. So, you know, we're both parents of teens and, <laughs> you know, a lot of the lessons that they need are not necessarily ones that they will go seek out. Like, right. like no kid is going to say, oh, please give me chores because I need to learn how to take care of a house. You know, <laughs> um, kids don't necessarily, right. if they don't have a friend who, I and I totally agree with you about the, um, peer pressure because my kids love it when we volunteer and their friends come. Um, right. So uh, other than the peer pressure, how can we motivate them more hmm. to volunteer? Is it just help them see the why and the bigger picture? I, I Yes. I, and I also think I talk a lot in the book because, again, the book is written not for parents, um, even though I know I'm sort of speaking to parents here, but the book is really written for teenagers um, and to them and, and for them. Of course, I appreciate that some parents are going to read it and buy it for their children. But um, at the end of the day, the book is really trying to help kids and teens, tweens and teens specifically, to tap into the things that they enjoy doing and the things that they are passionate about. And we throw around that word passion a lot, but you know, if, and I, I hear this a lot from, from families, they're like, my kid is really into soccer. What can you do for me? Is there some way that he or she can volunteer? Or I recently had one, of a father asked me about squash. <laughs> His son plays squash. And is there any way that he can volunteer in the community with squash? And I was like, wow, that's a head scratcher, but let me think about it. Is there a way for him to collect squash equipment? Is there a way for him to get a local squash court to, to um, give some free time um, uh, and have him teach younger children who don't have the opportunity? Can he go into a local public school, an under-resourced school, and teach the students there how to play this really random weird sport that not a lot of people know about, right? So 
Every single passion, every single thing that your kid loves to do, do they love to play cards? Do, are, they, are they great with technology, which every kid is, right? Do they have really neat handwriting? Or do they love to garden? Do they love to sing? Uh, you know, you name it. There is a way for them to take that passion, that thing that they're really good at and that they enjoy doing, more importantly, they enjoy doing it and share it with others in a way that will make someone else's life better or easier or help someone with a problem. And, you know, so I, that's really what the book tries to start out doing is helping teens to identify those things for themselves. What are you good at? What are your skills and gifts and talents? Even if you don't think you have any, you do because everyone does. And then what are the problems that you care about? What do you see in the world, on social media, on the news, in your community that really upset you and are concerning to you? What do you worry about? What is the thing you're curious to learn more about? And then how can you match the first list with the second list? And then how can we look for some organizations out in the community that are doing work in this area? And how can you get involved? And I think as soon as you find that special kind of combination of things, I think it goes on its own from there. I think teens will want to do the work. They will want to be with other, they want to do fundraising. They'll want to get kids, other kids involved. Um, that's really what it's all about. At a basic level, how do you get kids to, to want to do this? I mean, I am not above saying, you know what? As a family, we're going to go and volunteer and do this activity on Saturday. You're just going to give me an hour of your time, and we're all going to go and do this together. And then afterwards, we're going to talk about it. We're going to see what we enjoyed, what we didn't enjoy. And if you didn't love it, that's fine. But this is what's important to our family. These are our values. So if we can find something that you do enjoy doing, we'll do that. But we're not going to not do this work. At the end of the day, I talk about prioritizing. And you and I both know that parents today prioritize a lot of things for their kids and their teens. And this is a lot of it is to prepare for college applications or for job interviews or for scholarships. And I get it because I have two teens. I have two young people in college and one coming up. I know how important those things are to parents. But at the end of the day, if you prioritize all of those extracurriculars, all of that tutoring, all of those other things, and you don't prioritize serving others in the community, you are really showing your kids what you think is most important. And I don't think that's a, that that's what you want to show them, you know? Yeah. So you have to, as a family and as a parent, you have to say, this is other stuff is super important, but serving others and doing good work and t- caring for our elderly neighbor and all of those things, those are just as important. And so we're going to find time for them. Right. Yeah, it's true. You know, what gets scheduled gets done. So right. w- we try to have, you know, a couple, let's pick a couple big events that we're going to do. We do a lot of stuff for foster care. Mm-hmm. Um, we do a big breakfast with Santa for all the foster families. And um, so we always have certain ones that we do every year, you know. Yeah. Um, and that's, I mean, ritual is very important. Tradition around holidays is very important. And I appreciate how, how busy everyone's schedule is. That's right. why these books, both of them are called the simple, you know, busy, the, the busy family, the busy teen. I get it. I understand what, what, you know, the world looks like today. But at the end of the day, what is exactly what you said, what you schedule is what you prioritize. Right. If you look at someone's schedule, you see what they really care about and you want to show your kids what you you and your family actually really care about and what's really important at the end of the day. 
Yeah. And you don't have to, like, say every every weekend we're going to be doing no, this. No, of You know, it could be once a quarter, once a... Of course. Sem- Absolutely. You know, once a semester or just... Or, know, or around random. major holidays, around, you know, around the, you know, the Thanksgiving holidays, around the giving holidays in December, around Valentine's Day, around a child's birthday. I love honoring a birthday with a with an activity, you know, a fundraising activity or a donation drive or something to really say, aren't we so grateful? Isn't this such a blessing? Aren't we... So happy to be able to celebrate your birthday. And how can we share the joy of your birthday with someone else who might be in need? So, yeah. you know, there are just there are there are small and very subtle ways that this can be worked into monthly calendars, quarterly calendars, seasonal calendars, you know, different transition points from summer to, to the you know first day of school, the end of school, you know, the Christmas holidays, all of these things. It's just it's just being mindful and intentional about it. Right. It's, I like to say there's no such thing as a random act of kindness, right? Yeah. These are intentional things that we should be thinking about doing on an ongoing basis. And if we do, if we just spend a little bit of time doing that, it will like a pebble in the lake, right? It's a ripple effect. It will absolutely make a difference. Yeah. It reminds me of... Have you ever read of any any of Andy Andrews' books? No. You heard of him? Um, he's a great writer. He he is local to our area, but he's a he's a big New York Times bestseller. But he wrote a book called The Butterfly Effect. Oh, sure, yeah. And it talks yeah. about you know if the butterfly flaps its wings over here, you know it causes a hurricane on the other side right. of the world. And they've right. actually found that it, it, when the guy in, came up with that theory everybody laughed at him but they have actually mm-hmm. found that that theory is true and he talks about you know the little things that we do in our life where most people might think well it wasn't that important um, right it's not going to make that much of a difference whether I do it or not but there were you know times in history where there were little incidences like that that the person could have said well this me doing this is not that important but it changed you know the whole course of history one hundred percent. And isn't it true, you know, we, we you hear this all the time, like, be kind to everyone because you do not know what burdens they are carrying at right. this moment, right? right? The person in the line in front of you who is yelling at the, the person behind the counter, you have to think to yourself, instead of being like, what a jerk this person is, what just happened to this person that they are reacting this way? That's not, that's out of proportion, right? right. <laughs> so. Yeah. What can we have some empathy? Can we have some sympathy? Can we be curious about what is going on with this person and feel not sorry for them, but just have that compassion, right? To to just always think your actions today and your reactions, more importantly, to the way that someone is perhaps behaving towards you or whatever. One little thing that you do today could change the trajectory of someone's day of someone's year, of someone's life. You have no idea. Right. And that's a really powerful thing to suggest to your children as well, right? Like that some little thing that you do for someone today, you know, you go out, <laughs> you mentioned your elderly neighbor, you know, you go and help her pick up groceries or pick up her medication from the from the grocery store, from the, from the drugstore. Potentially that is something if she didn't get her medication, right? Like all of these little things, it's, it's, um, you know, they all kind of feed on themselves and build on themselves. And the ripple effect is, is real and true. And everyone should just be, you know, especially today, especially in these very fraught and difficult times, if we can all just be a little kinder and gentler to each other and to ourselves, 
God, I mean, come on. Yeah. Couldn't we all use that right put, now. Put put your phone down and just like pay right. attention to your surroundings. Talk, have a conversation with a person who might be sitting next to you on public transportation or whatever, who might be really lonely. Yeah. You know, you hear these stories about the person who stops on the bridge and sees a person who looks like they're thinking about jumping and they just get into a conversation with them that then potentially gets them to step away and not do that thing. But if that person said, oh, well, that's not my problem. I'm just going to keep driving or walking. You know, the whole history could be completely changed, right? The history of the world. So it's a, it's a, those are big concepts for teens to sort of wrap their brains around. But if they've ever had that experience, that one person acknowledging them, one person showing up for them, has kind of changed the course of their experience in high school or their experience in a class or whatever. I think everyone can relate to that. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about, you know, um, we just recently bought a Jeep and I never knew this about Jeep owners, but when a Jeep owner is driving down the road and sees another Jeep owner, <laughs> have you ever seen like waving? This? They have this, yeah, they have this thing they have to do. Like right. my husband, when we f- first got it, he was like, people keep waving at me. <laughs> He's like, I didn't know what was going on for a while. Cause <laughs> don't people in video VW bugs, you know, the, the little bugs too. I think they all like be bed each other. They might. Like they're I in this know. like secret little club. I've never had a VW. <laughs> like, I don't know. But like, I'm like that, you know, that is just so awesome that you're like, they're like saying to each other, Hey, I see you. I acknowledge right? you. I see you're you. cool. Right. And I see so, you. Yeah. So that's like, I'm like, I want to be a Jeep person. That's, that's, right. that's what I call it now. I just want to know, like, whenever I see somebody, not necessarily, they don't have to be driving a Jeep, but, like, just give them the eye contact, you yes. know, smile at them, Yep, if you attention. can use someone's name. I say yes. this to my kids. Like, if someone has a name tag on, use their name. There's a reason why they're wearing a name tag. And I do a, a thing that a friend of mine actually did, started doing years ago, and so I do it now. Every time we're in a restaurant with a wait, wait staff person, and they come over and ask for orders or drinks or whatever, she always puts her, her hand on their arm and she says, tell me your name. And right. I'll say it, and she'll go, okay, thank you so much, John. It's such a pleasure. You know, like she just, and then every time she, they come to the table, she uses their, people want to hear their own names. Right. And they want to be seen. They're a human being. They're not just this robot that came over to the table to bring you your water and your bread, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And that's, again, this is all back to what we started with, which is kind of role modeling this for our teens. Um, And again, after this very, very challenging few years we've had, where people have, I think, been kind of very disconnected from each other, we need to find ways to reconnect. And I think that doing this kind of work reconnects us to our essential humanity and yeah. to others' humanity. And 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 I, I think it's so, so important. Yeah, so if you can do it, you know, not only does it help if your teen is doing this, but if you can do it together as a whole family, oh, it just makes absolutely. it even I mean, there's no, more powerful. And again, the, the, the research is super clear that families that do this work, it has even more impact because, again, I think it's this um, point of connection and point of tradition making, right? We know that that's so ritual, habit, tradition is very important for children as they age and they grow up. I, I read somewhere that, you know, in, in the lifetime of a child, as a child grows up into adulthood, they will not remember any, you know, these random little things that were kind of one-offs, the one-time trip to Disney or the one-time thing gift they got. They will remember 
the tradition that you had every year at Christmas doing that foster care thing with the the gifts, right? right. They will remember that you went to this, the food pantry or the soup kitchen and you served a Thanksgiving meal in the morning of Thanksgiving before you went home and made your own meal. Those things that you do consistently year over year over year, are those are the memories. Those are the things that they will take with them into adulthood, yeah. not the one-off fancy party, whatever trip, something. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Um, and traditions are so important too, you know? So, so important. Yeah. So what would be your advice? Like people are saying, but well, we're just too busy other than scheduling uh, it in. <laughs> we're just so busy. Yeah. I read somewhere recently, someone said, I'm really tired of the busy braggers, busy <laughs> braggers. Yeah. You know, everyone's so busy. You know what? If you'd stopped talking about how busy you are, you would have saved yourself. If you, if you didn't spend 10 minutes explaining to me how busy you are, right. no, I, I, um, I absolutely understand. I'm not suggesting that teen years right now are fraught with all of the things that we are told are essentially important or the kid will never get into college and never make any, you know, we are just being sold this bill of goods that this is the only path to success, which is extracurricular, excelling in this sport, um, musical instrument, dance, whatever it is, tutoring for the, for the um, academic, um, you know, SATs, whatever it right. is, and then applications and tours for the colleges, like slow it down, yeah. pull it back. Yeah. <laughs> Perspective is only gained by having lived through it. And I have a, you know, I have a 21 year old and a 19 year old. So that's, it's easy for me to say now on the other side a little bit, but um, it all works out. They yeah. all end up where they're supposed to be. Um, you know, it, I, I think that uh, the busy, busy, busy and the needing to do all of the things because that's what's required for the college application that may or may not lead to a happy life. And I think we all now um, kind of know that, right? I think if we haven't been smacked in the face from the last two years with a little dose of perspective and pulling it back, um, then I don't know what's wrong with us. But um, yes, we live very busy lives. This is important to schedule. This is also just important to have organically as, as a part of a child's life. And if it comes to it that your kid, <laughs> your teen simply cannot or will not engage in this work, I don't see necessarily a bad um, thing with having there be a requirement at school, a requirement for your family, um, that that now this is something that they're not being forced to do. I would never say forced, but that this is something that we will do, but we can do the thing that you want to do. Right. We can do the thing that, that speaks to your, your skills and your passion and your interests. Yeah. So let's, as a family, let's sit down and talk about that. Yeah, what is good. it that would bring you some joy? What is it that you might, you know, might want to explore a little more deeply out in the community? And, and really, again, getting back to what are the problems that you're interested in? What are the issues that you're concerned about that you hear about that really make you angry and sad? And, and let's find a way to do something in those, you know, um, just arbitrarily picking something that your family's going to do that your teen may or may not have interest in is really not going to fly. Right. You know. 
Yeah. And I think you got to be careful because, you know, it, it might not even necessarily be they're trying to do all this stuff for college. You just might have a very active kid who doesn't sure. know where to set their boundaries. Right. It, absolutely. And they've signed up for everything. Right. They sign up for everything. But you can, you know, again, as a, as a parent, as a, as a person who's helping them to sort of make their schedule so they get the right amount of sleep and that, you know, right. um, they have time for the, imp- the, the other things in life, spending time with family. Um, taking care of themselves, you know, to just suggest to them that, you know, it's balance, right? We want them to live lives of balance. And so go, 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 go on this schedule that doesn't pad any time in for them to, you know, go and visit with an elderly neighbor or, you know, cut the lawn or, or shovel the snow for someone down the street who needs help or babysit for a young mother in the neighborhood who's having a hard time, um, a single parent or something. Like those are all things that they they should and and should be encouraged to find the time in their in their busyness um, to do because right. those are the things that gonna that are gonna fill their cups. They don't necessarily see that or see the value of that. Um, but we have to encourage them to do that. And let me just say, more from a practical standpoint, I get it that the school year is fraught and very, very hectic. I There's a whole chapter in the book that talks about, you know, really maximizing and utilizing the time off that they have. How can they turn their time off into time on for helping others and for doing this work? Right. So again, I get it. Kids are super busy. I don't expect them to, you know, shoehorn this into a a hectic um, schedule during the week. But there are pockets of time, you and I both know, in the summertime, during school breaks, in this December break, et cetera, when, you know, they have a little bit of leeway here. And what is it that that they could be, you know, thinking about doing and pursuing? And, And so I list out a bunch of, you know, literally, here's the summer. You have a longer stretch of time in the summer. Here are some things you can think about in the summertime. An internship, volunteering on a regular basis, perhaps traveling and volunteering. Then in the school break periods, which, you know, are a little shorter, but maybe these are some ideas. So, you know, you need to be a little bit creative. Um, and again, just kind of always keep it at the forefront that this is a priority for our family. It's not just about filling out the college application, but it's about doing the right thing and the good thing for yourself. Yeah. And sometimes you can fit stuff in where like you were going to be there anyway, like say, a hundred percent. Hey, we're going to church or synagogue or something. That's right. And how about you volunteer one week a month to hang out with the little kids and just play with them, right? Exactly. Um, right. It's it's kind of organic. It can be very organic, right, in the things that you're already doing in your day-to-day lives. And that's really where the motivation for the first book came from. Because again, I was hearing over and over, like, oh, we're so busy. We couldn't possibly fit something else in. I don't want this to just be another thing you have to check off of your to-do list. Yeah. That's not what this is about. It's about organically and intentionally, you know, and, and doing this in a way that is um, meaningful to your family that is not a chore yeah that is not just like another thing we have to do right um, but that there is that there is always time and that if you prioritize it somehow magically the time appears yeah and if you really do find what they love it it won't be a chore right, They'll be one right. to do it. exactly what's that expression um, do you know do work that you love and you'll never work a day in your life right I mean this is similar right find a volunteer gig that you love. <laughs> Maybe it's spending time with an elderly person. Maybe it's coaching a child to, to learn the sport that you love. You know, I, I have, you know, teens that, that coach kids in basketball. They love playing basketball. This is not a chore for them 
to go yeah. to the basketball court and play with kids who have no one to play with them and teach them the fundamentals of the game. This is a joy for them. They get to be on the basketball court, but they're volunteering. They're yeah. doing something good for these kids who don't have role models, don't have people in their lives who, who want to play with them. You know, that's you find a volunteer gig that is is fun for you and is joyful, then then it's not a chore at all. Yeah, my kids, they love they volunteer at summer camp. So they get they get hundreds of hours every summer. Right, right, right. And they get to go hang out with kids their age who are other counselors and or kids who love to be outside right and you know kids who love to be um you know gardening or working you know with their hands or whatever so find an opportunity to help clean up or or work with your local parks department so you're doing a thing that you love to do you want to be outside anyway and you're also doing something good for your community like it's it's just a win-win yeah even introverts i i know uh my mother-in-law has Alzheimer's, and there was a mm. young uh, kid whose family member died from Alzheimer's, and her thing that she would do, which she would make, she was an artist. She mm-hmm. would make cards and you send bet. them to, you know, families that had Alzheimer's uh, yep. patients in there. You know, so that's, she didn't even have to go out and talk to people or do that's it, and right. she did it on her own time, you know? Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. There are so many wonderful organizations now since the pandemic. There's Letters Against Isolation. There's Love for Our Elders, which are organizations that collect cards and letters that they just send to the elderly who have been isolated and home by themselves for two years or right. more. And I mean, these are just national organizations. You just write these cards or or draw pictures or write letters and you send them, you bundle them up and send them to these folks. And the joy that you are spreading, we can do the similar kind of work for our active duty, active duty military and our veterans, you know, write cards, make make um, care packages, this sort of thing. There's so many wonderful things you can be doing. You know, again, it doesn't require hours and hours of your time, and it doesn't require a lot of time outside of the home necessarily. Um, I call those things kitchen table kindness activities. But, you know, again, any you can, if you're a great artist, somebody in the world would great, get great joy from getting something of yours that you have created. Yeah. Period. And that and you have just spread joy to someone else, someone you may never meet. How wonderful is that? That's amazing. Um, so we could actually talk all night about ideas, I'm sure. <laughs> um, but is there anything else you want to add? Um, you know, I just I just really want to tell teens. And this was this is in the introduction to the book is I, I don't I wrote this book because I was I'm sort of um, tired of this narrative that like our kids are disconnected or they don't care. I, I think that's absolutely false. I think our teenagers care deeply. I think they've got tremendous hearts. And I firmly believe that you do not need to change the ent- whole entire world. You know, you don't have to quit school and fly across the planet and, and speak to the UN or build a school in Africa. You don't need to do anything big you just need to do these small intentional things every single day to be kind to others, to recognize, to see other people, to see the needs of other people and to put yourself out there just a little bit and that the ripple effect of that is, is just tremendous. And so that's the overarching theme here is that you don't need to change the whole entire world to make a difference. Yeah, that's good. Where can people find you? They can find me at simpleaxguide.com. 
And that's also my social media handle. I'm mostly on Instagram. So at Simple Axe Guide. And the new book is out in July. So I hope that lots of teens will get get it into their hands and will be inspired by it. And they'll find their passion and their purpose. Thank you so much for coming on, Natalie. Thank you, Rachel. This was really great. It's great work that you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. You as well. Just a reminder, if you like our podcast, don't forget to leave us a review and tell your friends about us. Have a great week.